Foligno trying to get in over the line, and Giordano is there to take it away. He'll backhand it high to center. Leafs able to bring it in. Nice move there by Nylander working back to Tavares. He scores! What a brilliant move by Willie Nylander, and he puts it on a tee, and John Tavares has his first of the year, and we have a tie game. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan band, and it's Brent Gunning. That was a fun little moment. Uh, the Maple Leafs tied up at once with the Chicago Blackhawks yesterday. Uh, we got to hear the newest goal song. One of, one of many. I actually, I love that one. Uh, if you're going to ask me, I was very anti-changing the goal song. But yeah, Panama, Van Halen, give it to me. I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Um, oh, not fully on no, board. No, I, I just like, what are we trying to do here, then? Get me excited. That's what I care about the most, Okay. get me excited. No, and it, I like it. It definitely hits Hits nice. Um, okay. I, I, I guess we're just, we're not doing anything that, that's been produced in the last 10 years, then. We're, yeah. We're just going Defin- back? Definitely not. I, I don't know about you. I... I put on new music the other day, and I was like, mm, I need to get all the way out of this. Give me something I heard 10 years ago, please. I, I generally do. I, I yeah, lean in, in that direction. I'm shocked you're not wearing your Rage Against the Machine t-shirt today. Yeah, I do have one. Um, it is incredible, though, that this Leafs team is so very plugged into, you know, like their best the buds with, with Justin Bieber, who's... Yep. Um, I guess he's kind of aged now too, right? But yeah, the old, yeah, it's like, oh, the old married guy, he literally lives in the burbs. It's mm-hmm. like, I know he has a house in LA too, but it's like, my, my understanding is that it's like a compound out in Kitchener. It's like, yeah, he literally moved to the burbs. No, it's true. I mean, the, yeah, they wouldn't have him at least contribute. Maybe he doesn't have to write something, but like maybe advise on this, right? Like <laughs> why why can't we get some some of the, the biggest and if you're him, why why is he not wanting a consulting fee? Yeah, I, I just, I mean, we have some of the, the most influential cultural figures from not just this country, from this city, like just hanging around. Drake was just here, mm-hmm. like the weekends yeah. from here. Like okay. yeah. we, we can't get these people to come together for, you know, a weekend because that's all it would take. We're not, we don't even need a full four-minute song. We need 30 yeah, seconds of music. It doesn't even have to have lyrics. No, it doesn't. No, we need something that is that is going to get the people going. And, uh, yeah, I, okay, Panama did it. But I loved it. I mean, it seems That's on Classic obvious. Night, apparently. Mm-hmm. So oh, last night was I Classic see. Night, uh, okay. Original Six. Yeah, Paul so. Morris calling the, the, the... I like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mind that either. The, uh, the, the other part I will say, just lastly on goal songs, uh, maybe the answer is because you don't want it to sound like a morgue, but why do they play songs after the other team scores? I know yeah, well, they're not they, the only ones that do it. I know it's not like a pump up song. No, it's, it's like the complicated like make, by a, yeah. Yeah. It's like f- whatever. I don't know. I, every time I hear it and it's not because of the song, it just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's like, all right, let's <laughs> pump some music in. Surely everyone's excited. You just got scored against Leafs. It, it always is kind of boggled you know my what mind. I, miss? I don't know what they're supposed to do, but you know what I miss? And I don't think they do it anymore. Um, at Rogers center, they used to play, Sounds like sound effects mm. for like foul balls when it you would like, hear like boing, boing. Yeah, yeah, I do remember this. <laughs> like, I do remember this. A, a pane of, of glass yes. breaking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. Oh yeah. Uh, bring that back. I'm here for that. Um bring back the Toronto Maple Leafs scoring a bunch of goals too, because that was more fun. Yeah. I than, missed that. Than only scoring one. And Austin Matthews scoring zero. God, him and Bedard. Bums. Yeah, they they didn't do much of anything. Uh oh. we played the clip off the the top of the show with Sheldon Keefe. N- not exactly 
lighting into his hockey team, but not exactly praising it either. It would have been, ama- would have been amazing if he pulled the shoot right away and went completely off the top rope with the criticism. Well, it wasn't, you know, that deep into the season last year. It was after four games yep. that, and I, I, that I guess, lost. yeah, okay. It was not coming off the top rope, but it was something that required a retraction mm-hmm. after the Maple Leafs in a lifeless game against the Coyotes lost. Yep. And their top players were called out. Uh, and, you know, actually we have that clip from from a season ago in which there was a, a start of a crisis point for, for the Toronto Maple Leafs last season. Is there an area to improve? I know there's a lot of areas to improve. You're only four games in. The guys haven't found the rhythm. Our best people have not found the rhythm. So maybe really look at it. The difference between us and Arizona is that we have elite players. And our elite players didn't play like elite players today. Didn't Couldn't make a difference. So in that sense, the game is going to be close. It's just that's the way it goes when those guys don't make the difference that, that they can. Yeah, it's shocking again to hear that and think, uh, oh, yeah, no, that required a retraction the next day. That was the comment, right? That was the thing that lived for two weeks and was maybe the the, the start of, of the, the Sheldon Keefe might be on his last legs discourse. Like him saying that we have good players, the Coyotes don't have as many good players, and our good players didn't play to the way that they're capable of. The next day he had to come back and, and say, I, I didn't quite phrase it the way I wanted to. That was a, a Leafs team that was off to a two and two start. Right, they had just lost four-two yep. to the Coyotes. It, it it culminated the disappointing start to last season at four-four and two. But th- that was four games into the regular season. This season is three games in, and the reason that came to mind is because he did specifically mention the best players when talking about being sloppy with the puck in the first period. So yep. it's not an apples to apples. And if you listen to yesterday's uh-huh. post-game media availability, it was. But you know what? Just like last year's media availability after the Coyotes game wasn't exactly inflammatory. Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't a guy that was like at the end of his rope, but somebody who was clearly getting frustrated. And he mentioned the top players again. Yeah, he did. Now, again, just remembering, I went. I just pulled this up now. So that was the fourth game of the season, and that was the opening salvo. There was also 31 games into the season, the much more pointed, soft, and purposeless comments that came after a 3-1 loss to the Rangers. So if I'm just doing kind of leaf math here, I think that this is Keefe with a bit of a warning shot. Let's see how this message is received. Now, obviously, there's a long time between now and game 31. Those comments happened in December. But I think that that is going to be the interesting thing is, one, to see the reaction from the players. Now, part of it is that I think part of it is honestly in the questions that are asked of these guys, right? If somebody comes in with a pointed, are you upset about the way Sheldon talked? That answer can get spliced in 80 different ways. Whereas if it's an off day or if it doesn't get asked, then that story kind of the legs kind of go away from it. Cause the reporting that came out after that was that the players were maybe not happy about being talked about that way, well, which is ridiculous. Your coach is allowed to criticize you. I think, yeah, specifically it was Mitch Marner yes. who the next day was like, "Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, like I think we got things figured out." Well, and then I'm I'm screwing up the timeline a little here. I think this was later in the year, but there was also the stuff with Mitch last year where he got benched for one shift and he went and yeah. smashed his stick. It got really dark mm-hmm. in Leafland at a couple of different times. I don't think this is that, but I like that we're I like the idea of it 
being a, I don't want Sheldon Keefe to come on here after every loss or come to the podium after every loss and say, ah, stars need to be better. A lot of people hold accountable for this team. But if it is a pattern as opposed to, you know, if someone just jabs you all the time, you're uh-huh. used to it. But if someone out of nowhere just punches you in the mouth, you go, whoa, I was not expecting that. What's going on here? And if it is just a case of Keefe constantly prodding these guys, constantly poking them with comments that are somewhat critical, but not overly pointed. I wonder if it's a slightly different messaging, hoping to get to the same route that they weren't able to get to last year. Well, as much as I'm evaluating this Leafs team for stylistic differences from a season ago, and I am and the blue line and how it looks and yeah, who's the the number one goal. I'm like, I'm looking at these post game comments from Sheldon Keefe to see if there is a guy that has a, a different perspective or a new lease on life. As far as his ability to criticize this team with the extension, with the new general manager, um, and and it's not too early to to start reading into it again. again that was mm-hmm. game four of the regular season. That game three, that that Leafs team had riled off back to back victories. They were two and one, so the the Arizona loss dropped them to two and two. They won the next two after that and were four and two. But still, like there was there was a lot to be read into the early season messaging from the head coach. And then yeah, things stabilized and we, we stopped caring about the day to day coming out of the coach's mouth. But this is. Especially with the new group, especially with the new players, like trying to understand what the messaging is going to be from the head coach, I think is is interesting. Like, do you have any indication that this is a different Sheldon Keefe? Maybe not, again, from the game plan. Like, he doesn't want mm-hmm. this high event hockey no, no, that no, no, he's no, no. seen through the first two games, not so much yesterday necessarily. Although, they, yeah, like he said, they were sloppy with the puck in the mm-hmm. first period and five high danger uh, shot attempts against uh, Joseph Wall, who had to be really good mm-hmm. in that first period. But are you noticing any uh, a, a different demeanor? Because he was he was yeah. pretty terse in, the, in that postgame yesterday. So I think back to when we had Treliving on right before the start of the season. I mean, I basically asked him about this exact thing and how much autonomy is Sheldon Keefe going to have to coach the team. And obviously part of this was after everything that happened with the Blue Jays. So that was just kind of part and parcel for a lot of people's minds. But there's two ways... Well, I mean, there's two ways you can motivate people. It's carrot or stick. And there's two ways you can coach a team. You can reward players with ice time or you can get on them via comments. Or, I mean, you know, it's the NHL. They're not getting bag skated every day or whatever it is. But you can you can do that. And I think with Keefe, it is about finding the right way. Let's, let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Or I don't know if this is the benefit of the doubt. But let's say he was a little shackled in years past and wasn't able to be his quite critical self and he wants to be a bit more of that. You need to be very careful about how slowly you apply that throttle. Yeah. Because, yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi doesn't know who you are, and Max Domi doesn't know who you are, but they know who Austin Matthews is, and Austin Matthews knows who you are. So the idea of you just coming in here, and all of a sudden you're a, and I don't think this is the case, but a completely different guy, you can't do that. So even if this is a slightly unshackled, slightly different Sheldon Keefe, I think he's a guy who has been with this group for so long, and he's smart enough to realize that if he does want to be a little different about it, or quite frankly, a lot different about it, Mm -hmm. you cannot just flip the switch it has to be a much more of a dimmer he has to kind of slowly work his way to get there because if you just come in and it's all right kyle's gone i was a different guy i can't stand all you guys i'm basically torts and babs if they had a baby well it'd be like (laughs) what's going on here you can't be that guy overnight it would come across as phony too hollow yeah Yeah, exactly and even if even if it didn't it's like oh so we just had a phony here for the last four years yes and i don't think that's the case i think there's a middle ground to all these things but that's that's the thing i think to watch with keith is if it's kind of a slow build and then by the end of december he's just picking a star and taking him to the woodshed every night it's like i don't know that that's out of the realm of possibility and guess what if the team's playing well 
that's not going to happen. Well, and also this team, okay, you can talk about them playing down to their opponents, which they have a history of doing. They love it. They, they live to to do that. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they fare um, in Florida against a couple of teams they have most recent playoff history against in the Panthers and the Lightning uh, headed into the weekend. But yeah, they also have a history of having, you know, Lazy starts to regular seasons, then turning it on and figuring it out, mm-hmm. not winning the Atlantic division. But they, yeah, they know where they're going to be at the end of the year. And that's in the playoffs, if not at the top of, of the division. I, I get it. There's some new players here. But yeah, it, it'll be hard to, to to shake them from from that belief that things are, you know, defensively so porous that mm-hmm. that 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 it might really be a crisis point as far as the standings are concerned. No, I don't think that. But let me throw this at you. You know, okay. they they threw they they threw this at us that the Leafs and Canadians are only going to play two more times, which is nuts. Feels like they're supposed to play a thousand times mm-hmm. uh, this year. So the games are lesser than they that you know it's much like baseball, lesser games against your division. Da 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 da. How important is it for these two games to be a bit of and feel free to tell me this is dumb message sending in the division. We have had so many conversations yeah. going back to the Jays this year about the Orioles coming in. You got to show them who the real big brother is, da, 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 or the Rangers coming in or whatever. And it's not a series. It's one game. So you can't take as much out of it. But if you are the beast of the Atlantic, like you expect to be, like you should be based on everything on paper, how important is it to go down there? And it's not to say you got to win 6-1 both those games, but does it not mean something to go in there and stamp home what you did against the Lightning last year and prove to the Panthers that, no, 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 you had a hot run and good on you. We can't take anything away from what happened last year, but this is a different different Leafs team and we're different players now. I think it's super important. Yeah. And this is maybe counter to this point because the Boston Bruins did what they did in the yeah. first round of the playoffs against, uh, yeah, uh, but the thing is, is Boston, they were switching back and forth between goalies, and we know there's no way the Leafs would be doing Oh, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> but the, the Boston Bruins came out of the gate so strong, right? Like, my God, I'm looking at their their uh, early season. Oh, no, it was absurd. A slate. They were, man, they had four <laughs> regulation losses in December. They were, my God. God, they didn't lose at home. I think until the new year, Ben. Okay, so they were thirty-eight, <laughs> five, and four. Now, now that's an extreme to, to have an expectation of that is unrealistic. Obviously, you're allowed to. The, like the talent level certainly exists on this Leafs team to to pull off a start like that. Um, is it beneficial to the to like you know waste a bunch of energy trying to rack up regular season wins? No. Um, and does it change anybody's belief uh, in 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 what you are and what your ceiling is if you have a great regular season. I Well, hold, hold on. Okay. Would it for this least team though? Because what is the thing we always talk about? It's playing down to your it's playing down to your competition. It's having the lull game when you always expect to have it. What is what do we think about all cup champs? Is you know, it's maybe not the word that gets bandied about, but I think we all think of them as very mature teams, responsible yeah. teams, teams that take care of their business. And I don't think the Leafs need to go be Boston last year to have the season that we all hope they have and win the cup. Obviously, that's not a prerequisite. It did not work out for Boston. But I think for a group that has so often showed us they have these ability or not the ability, the inability to avoid the lull. Mm-hmm. It would mean something to have just the wire to wire locked in regular season. And that's not to say you're not going to have the odd stinker against the Yotes. 
Boston had them last year too. Of course. But I do think it would mean something to show us that this group has quote unquote taken a step. Yeah. They're a different group. What have we talked about with Matthews? It's yeah. yeah, he's a different guy. He's also just more mature. He's 26. He's in the peak of his powers, all that stuff. I do think there is something to this group showing us that they have the ability to just lock in for not a week at a time, not a month at a time, not for a tough road trip, not for a big Saturday night game, but for a full season. I really do. <laughs> okay. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Here's what I can almost guarantee you. That Thursday, there's going to be a bounce back uh, as far as an effort level is concerned. Yeah, they're they're going to look they said, at the to their best on Thursday because, yeah, they were maybe not embarrassed yesterday, but that was not their best effort. And, and the Panthers are a team that's on their radar mm-hmm. despite their slow start in, in limited games this season. Th- that's going to be... Yeah, oh, they have their retention yes. for for Thursday. And yesterday, okay, there was the no circus. fishing, no fishing pictures though. We did that once <laughs> we, before. We we certainly did. Uh, I I wouldn't put it past this team, and I wouldn't put it past any team, especially early in the season, to to get out and enjoy the uh, the beautiful Florida weather. Maybe it's the golf course. Maybe it is a little bit of fishing. But just, yeah, no, just keep it to yourself. That's yeah, all. I'm you, that, I, I I think they're smart enough to to even take a picture of that. <laughs> but yeah, I think pretty clearly. The Panthers are going to get the best Leafs effort, I think. I mean, that's how this works, isn't mm-hmm. it? Like this is this it's is supposed to be. Yeah, this is a team that plays down to their competition, but plays up to it. So yeah, I, I expect some some pretty serious looking Leaf faces on Thursday and Saturday. Also, as they go to Florida uh, and Tampa. Also, obviously, these are different players, different weight classes, different ends of the spectrum. But um, I'm very curious to see how Ryan Reeves deals with Matthew Kachuk. Mm. Not that he's not going to bulldog him. He's not going to chase him around the ice. He's not going to fight him. But uh, all those war of words that were happening there with him and Perry last night. Yeah. It's going to be a little uh, interesting there because, again, like a very different scenario of Perry longer in the tooth. Kachuk's like an MVP type guy here. But, yeah, that's that's the uh, not matchup, but uh, matchup, I guess, I'm most intrigued by. All right. Time now for something to chew on brought to you by Great Canadian Meats. Um, Trevor May. You may not be familiar with the Trevor May oeuvre. That's perfectly fine. It's like a middle reliever, okay? <laughs> he retired uh, officially yesterday, sent out a tweet. He was doing a live stream as well. Had some, uh, so this is a guy that's, that's played all over the place, but most recently the Oakland A's um, who are moving to Las Vegas, as you may recall. It was a big story and uh, fans not too pleased about it. And uh, the owner uh, raking in a bunch of public funds <laughs> to take his team to Nevada. Well, uh, Trevor May, now unencumbered by a Major League Baseball contract, was on a live stream yesterday, had this to say. Now that it's official, to the A's organization and every single person part of it, I love all of you. Every single one of you, except for one guy. We all know who that guy is. Sell the team, dude. I tried to get a sell shirt. It didn't get here fast enough. Sell it, man. Let someone who actually like takes pride in the things they own, own something. There's actually people who give a shit about the game. Let them do it. Take mommy and daddy's money somewhere else, dork. And also, if you're gonna be, if you're gonna just be a greedy, greedy, fuck, own it. There's nothing weaker than being afraid of cameras. So that's one thing I really struggled with this year was not just eviscerating that guy. Do what you're going to do, bro. You're you're whatever. You're a billionaire. They exist. You guys have all this power. You shouldn't have any because you haven't earned any of it. But anyway, whatever. It is what it is. Reality is you got you got handed everything you have. And now you're too soft to sit and stand in front or, or take any responsibility for anything you're doing. 
Uh, uh, that's in reference to A's owner John Fisher. I like naturally. to think, I don't know how Twitch streams work. I think yeah. someone gave him some money in the middle. <laughs> They're like, good point. Da-ding. I think that's what that was. Uh, they should have. Not that. And uh, then he's going to give it to not the A's owner, but somebody involved with that team. Yeah. Not that Trevor May needs it. And again, like a middle reliever yeah. for he's a baseball player. He's going to get a kajillion dollars, I'm sure. Over $27 yeah, million dollars in his, don't, his major league Don't career. tell an again, NHL player that. Yeah, Trevor May, who, yeah. As uh, as as appeared in what uh, yeah almost uh, four hundred games, but yeah, is a middle reliever. Like he he's never he's once pitched more than a hundred innings in his career, and yeah, has racked up over twenty seven million dollars. But he appears to have an opening in sports media mm-hmm. because not got to tighten up the the language a yeah. little. <laughs> Well, okay. Maybe it's not traditional sports okay. media. Right. Maybe he's going to start his own media company. The or McAfee of baseball? Maybe. But this indicates to me, and, and I shouldn't be surprised by this, I guess, but, like, that the players see the same things that you're seeing. I will say, though, how many billionaire owners of, of professional sports franchises, especially when the going gets tough? Like, they're there when things are oh, great. yeah, of course. Hoisting trophies mm-hmm. and, and yeah, kissing babies and cutting ribbons. Yes. But, like, when when things are rough, they don't tend to show their faces. But, yeah, how difficult must that have been this season in Oakland in which they were, they were like, major league level Intended to lose baseball games, which they did quite admirably, by the way. So good at in, it. In front of no fans, uh, and the fans that were there were angry at maybe not the players specifically, but in, it, they just had an angry vibe. Mm. How awful must that have been to openly loathe your boss? I mean, the twenty-seven million bucks probably that makes helps. it go down a little bit smoother. But that, I, I guarantee you, anybody that took the field for the Oakland A's has that exact same position. Yeah, for sure, and. You know, it's funny. We think, you know, so much a thing, time comes up of, oh, the, he said the thing there about you have to care. You don't even have to, like, care, care. It can be corporate owner, like Fenway. Look at Fenway Sports. Like, yeah. they own the Red Sox. They own the Penguins now. I think they have a piece of Liverpool, if not the whole the whole thing there. It can be a corporate energy, entity. You just have to care about winning and mm. not having it just be a, a cash cow that bleeds. So I think that's the other part of it as well is that, yeah, it's like you would like that guy to care, but it's like, just care about money because you will make more of it if you <laughs> right. win. That's part I can't wrap my head around, but good riddance. Sorry for the people of Oakland. They deserve better, and yeah, uh, that sucks. guy deserves worse, I guess. Yeah, but uh, he's probably going to get better. Yeah, Obviously. Yeah, he's going to be handed hundreds of millions of dollars from the city of Las Vegas to move his baseball Super team Super quick hierarchy of uh, when the NBA and, and, and everything's there. How will it rank? Boy, NFL king. Yeah, NFL has to be number one because they are number one everywhere. But are you talking about like just like fan passion? Yeah, I'm talking about the people of Vegas, whatever that means. Yeah, you know what? I don't think you can discount the fact that the Golden Knights now have won, right? Like it's not just being first because we talked about them being first, but it's the fact that they have won a championship. There's a lot of people who... Totally. Who, who probably think fondly of the NHL because they were first, but now especially because they're the first of the bunch yeah. to factually win a championship. It'll be curious to see. And by that, I mean, it'll be fun to watch that place be empty. The second they stop winning 50 yeah, games a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there'll be some OGs. that are like, I remember. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. No, no, I do think, yeah, there is something to, to not just being first, but being uh, the first into uh, uh, then, so, a but, championship. But it, we agree that like baseball probably goes to the bottom of that list there in that market specifically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know it doesn't share the season with anything, but just wanted to get well, that in. 
in, until they like start putting money into that team. Which, yeah. I mean, seems unlikely with that owner, but yeah, it, uh, they're at the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. All right. When we come back, uh, we'll talk to John Morosi of MLB Network as uh, the ALCS with a day off today, but you get to watch Bryce Harper on Sportsnet. Uh, Morosi, get a set for game two. Next, as the fan morning show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Morning Show Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben and his friend Gunning. Ross Atkinson's coming back for the Toronto Blue Jays. But that was Still happening, eh? I, I was... wondered if they were going to no. like, change their mind. Don't tell no. anybody. Different guy. No, that was on Thursday. Mark Shapiro reiterating that. Or not reiterating, iterating it. <laughs> Which I, I guess is a term. Uh, last week in his media availability, the final one of this season, I guess, for the Blue Jays. Man- or manager spoke after the game. General manager spoke yeah, shortly thereafter. That was fun. And then shortly thereafter that, the president spoke. So Ross Atkins is going to remain in his present role as general manager, which means that James Click is not going to get bumped up the old corporate ladder, mm-hmm. despite the fact that he's a pretty nice little piece in the Blue Jays front office, having been the general manager of that Houston Astros team that won the World Series. He was only on the job for a couple yeah. years. I get it. Like, he he was still there. He's yeah. just like factually, you know, didn't screw it up enough. To, to not win the World Series like he was. I bet that's exactly what he puts on his resume. Did, did not, not screw, screw it up, up enough. I, I think is going to be a, a hot managerial candidate as well. Like he's already apparently interviewing for the open position in Boston with the Red Sox. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Blue Jays, if they wanted to to keep James Click in the organization, might have missed their window. We'll see. Um but the Major League Baseball playoffs roll on. Day off for the ALCS. NLCS game two as the Phillies look to go up two games to none on the Arizona Diamondbacks tonight, uh, 8 o'clock on Sportsnet. Let's talk to our pal, John Morosi of MLB Network. How's it going, John? Ben and Brent, I am outstanding. Good morning from the great city of Philadelphia. And uh, my my ears are still recovering <laughs> from uh, from all of those sounds last night. That was Bell Center in the playoffs loud, I, I felt, last night. Just a, a great performance by the Philly team and just as importantly by their fans. I, 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 like, I know Philadelphia fans get this rap of being like very tough, right? And throwing batteries or booing Santa. And they, they still have that, I guess. But they, all it, those things happen. <laughs> they, it does feel like there's a symbiotic relationship between them and this team. Like they, there's a, like a love fest happening. Like there could not be a more Philadelphia team. They, they get the benefit of the doubt too. They're cheering Trey Turner after the big contract he signs and is, is not performing in the season and they resurrect his season. I don't What's going on between the city of Philadelphia and this Phillies team? Well, I think you're exactly right. Where the the fans and the team are linked in a way that I really have not seen very many times in my career, covering a lot of playoff games and, and special teams like this. It really is remarkable. And I think a couple things. The the players on this team, and this is a hard thing to quantify, but it's it's what I'm seeing right now. They very overtly love the game and they love competing and they love the big moments. And it's, 
it's easy to say that and and to say that it's that that's true for for a lot of players and a lot of teams, but it when you see it like this and you really understand how much they're enjoying being together, it's a very very special thing to watch, and I, I really think that the the Philly mentality, the 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 blue collar ethic of this town, it, it fits, and, and they've got superstars who really grind and, and Harper really wants to be here. And I, I think they, they love that Bryce will talk about the history of the game that they love that yesterday he was talking about chase Utley's home runs in the world series in 2009. It's just, it's a really authentic experience. And I just think that it's, it's really, really been a special thing to watch. Yeah, it is. It is amazing that, you know, we see it in all sports, right? When there is a team that and boy, it's easy to love the game when you play it the way they they have been uh, during these playoffs. Right. But when you see a team that just loves it, I mean, this is a bigger conversation about baseball, but we do get so bogged down in the numbers and thinking about things. And we should guess what? It's good to be smart and informed about things, but you can just see it coming through in spades. the, The way these guys love the moment and they love to perform. Obviously, Harper, rightfully so, is getting so much of the the accolades here, but I can't stop thinking about Schwarber throughout all this. I mean, I go back to the uh, the way younger version of him on those on that on that Cubbies team, and he's been in so many of these big moments. You know, what do you think it means to the Phillies to have a guy like Schwarber who's been through this grind a, a few times before? Not to say other guys on the team haven't, but boy, has he been through uh, plenty of these moments. Well, yeah, and obviously the the 2016 World Series with the Cubs, and then he got to the ALCS with the Red Sox a couple of years ago. And it really helps your popularity when the first swing you take is on the first pitch you see in game one, of the NLCS, and it, it gets launched about 118 miles an hour. Uh, that was a moment that, that was like watching a, a rock and roll concert. When, when the band starts with their best song and the place just erupts. And that's what that was like. Uh, it, remarkable. And I, I think he's, he has a sense for the moment. He, I also think that, again, you, you look at this Phillies team, it sort of gets back to the ethic that I was talking about a moment ago. You've, you've got two guys in Schwarber and JT Riamuto who, who were noted legitimate football stars in high school. They, they, just, they, they look like football players. They play like football players. They they have that emotion like football players, and when when Schwarber does that, it just gets the whole crowd uh, just in, into a frenzy, and, and the, the players all love it. It's it's something to see, and and I think that he, I asked Kyle after the game last night, the the just the way their hitters meetings go, because I think every team prepares differently, and and in this in this team, as as I referenced a moment ago, with the, with the, the combination of passion for the game and talent and, and also the love of talking about baseball. And I think that that is a, it's an underrated thing, especially this time of year. How often do you see in the dugout when you've got really accomplished players helping each other out in game about how one pitcher's cutter is moving a little bit differently today than when you saw it on film or he's going to his sinker more, or the four-seamer doesn't quite have the same run to it that it did before. And, and they're constantly talking. And that's what Kyle said is that the, you know, Kevin Long was a very highly regarded hitting coach. He sets the tone, but then the players talk a lot too. They talk about what they're seeing. And I just think that's such an underrated mm. aspect of the game. You know, baseball 
presents their moments in the game to be able to talk about what you're seeing and share with your teammates. And whenever you see the Phillies dugout in a, in a big moment in the, in the postseason or even in between at-bats, they're always talking. They're engaged with the game. And I, I just think there is, again, it's very subjective. I'm just, I'm just sharing with you what I'm seeing in terms of how, how they communicate. And Kyle was talking about that last night. How He said we, we talk with each other a lot in the game, and, and you've got guys that love uh, love those conversations and, and are smart enough about the game to be able to absorb the information in real time and not, and not necessarily rush to the iPad to, to have to look at 15 replays of it or, or to like study or, or, or go back in the middle of the game. They just feel it. Mm-hmm. And that is how Schwarber is. That's how Castellanos is. That's how Turner is. Harper's that way. It's, this is their group. That's how, and, and I think it's important too, that younger guys like Stott and Bohm, are are following in their footsteps. I just th- this is. I hope other teams and other players are watching how they communicate with each other, and and how much how much fun they're having with baseball conversations. Because at a time where I think some teams and some players are becoming overly analytical, this team is is very much a feel team, and and they're now seven wins away from winning a championship. They're playing a tremendous brand of baseball. I think the fans see that in them, and that's one of the reasons why the the ballpark is the way it is right now. John, you're speaking my language here. Holy cow! We had a, a long discourse about analytics and 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 the and not going on feel, of course, the way the Blue Jays departed this postseason, and and to see not just the Phillies go by feel, but the Rangers. Um, go by feel a little bit with Bruce Bochy sticking with uh, Nate Evaldi in the fifth inning when he could have gone to the bullpen right. with the bases loaded and none out. It does feel like maybe there's a sea change as far as the, the, the acceptance of, of not necessarily going by the book um, as the seasons progress, but also that the postseason is a little bit different than the regular season. Like it, regular season, you are playing enough blackjack hands that if you pl- you know eventually the the odds will get will be in your favor because you just you play every day for six months. Not the deal in the postseason. It's it's a different animal, and it and maybe feel does need to be applied more in these games than it does over one sixty two. Uh, you're exactly right, and and this is where. It's been a fun conversation uh, in in baseball the last couple weeks, where people have criticized the 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 format of the playoffs a lot, and they said, "Well, it, it can't, you know, it has to change because look at what happened to the Braves and the Dodgers and the Orioles." I, I say, "Wait a minute, playoff baseball is different than regular season baseball, and and maybe part of this is obviously as as you guys know how much hockey means to me and how much I I love it." It's that's always been true in hockey, always. Uh, I, and I and to sort of prove the point, I I said in the last 18 years since the lockout of all the all the Presidents Trophy winners, only two of 18 have won the cup, and six of them got knocked out in the first round. So it's you're three times as likely to get bounced in the first round than you are to actually win the cup when you win the Presidents Trophy. And so that's 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 my hockey background that's influencing this in saying in baseball it is different. Playoff baseball is different than regular season baseball. And uh in terms of the the quality of the pitching that you see, the decisions that a manager makes, I think to your point it was crucial that Bruce Bochy made the choice that he did and 
Rob Thompson, the the, the pride of Stratford, uh, what he was able to do yesterday in, in keeping Alvarado in in a big spot in the eighth inning and getting Tommy Pham in what was probably the biggest out of the game. So it's it's different. It, it's You cannot manage, you cannot play the postseason the way that you do the regular season. And I think that's where it's hard. It's hard, and it runs a little bit against maybe what the – the objective reasoning would tell you that you have to abandon the the way that you've done things for six months when it comes time to the playoffs. But I'm here to tell you, you have to. You, you can't. You cannot manage in the same way that you do in the regular season once it becomes a sprint because the the competitive dynamic of it is just so different. And I think the teams that are still surviving now and thriving are those that understand that and those that have absorbed that lesson and those that tried to just do it the way the regular season methodology worked for a long time. They just, they're not playing anymore. They're out. And and I think roster construction has something to do with it too. And, and obviously the Dodgers had some really huge rotation problems to where I, I don't care how you manage it. If, if your starters can't get through the second inning, you're just, you're not going to win. So uh, the, the basis of it all is starting pitching. And, and you, you mentioned it. Evaldi was great yesterday. Wheeler was, I thought had tremendous stuff uh, yesterday, last night in, in the way that Zach pitched. So uh, at the end of the day, it's that, that is the necessary ingredient uh, is, is quality starting pitching and the teams that are still surviving at this point are, certainly have it. Yeah, I do feel a little bad for Wheeler and Nola. You would think they didn't even exist because we just come on and talk about the Phillies hitting home runs all the time. Those guys have been pretty important. And like you mentioned, Alvarado there, you know, you you also mentioned the idea of roster construction and, you know, every sport to a certain extent is a copycat or a copycat copycat there we go league and it what do you think is the lesson the teams are going to take I mean you know Ben and I have been talking about those Andrew Miller Cleveland teams of for a while it was like okay that's how you win in the playoffs is you have mutants who can go two three innings if you need them and you shorten the game to four innings for your starter do you think there's going to be any kind of big picture lesson that that teams that are watching this now unfold will take this this winter when it comes to putting a team together well, it's a great question, and I think that the one thing that stands out to me and as we get ready to cover the, the offseason is that when you spend on the right guys in free agency, this is what happens. Uh, look at the Rangers, how they've built their team. Seager, Semyon, uh, Evaldi obviously fits the description. The Phillies, it's Harper had one of the largest contracts in the history of the game. Castellanos, big-time free agent. Schwarber, big-time free agent. Turner, big-time free agent. Real Muto was traded for and then extended. The bullpen, Dave Dombrowski has not been afraid to, to bring in power arms and pay for them. The rotation, Wheeler, free agent. So <laughs> this, is, this is how these teams are, are built. And, and again, it's not just a matter of spending money to spend money because – We've seen teams make mistakes that way, but clearly, when when we get to the off season, if 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 a GM says, "Well, we just have to build our way from within to be able to win games in the in the playoffs," uh, no, no, that's actually not necessarily the case because uh, the Phillies, while they've got and certainly uh, drafted and developed quality to their team. Bohm is, uh, is a drafted guy. Uh, Stott is a drafted guy. Uh, obviously, Suarez came up in the minor leagues. He was an international signing. Nola was drafted by the Phillies. I mean, there, are, there are guys there, but they would not be here without the players they signed in free agency and spent 
invested money on, again, not just, not just really talented players and even great players, but people who really love to compete, love the game. And that's, I'm saying that very subjectively, but you know it when you see it. And, and that's where the, the passion comes out because that passion for the game comes out in, in how aggressively you rehab an injury, uh, how often you're available to your team, how much you invest as a teammate. All of these things matter. And, and we're talking about Harper coming back from Tommy John faster than anybody ever thought was even possible. Reese Hoskins trying to come back for the World Series. It's the same thing. These, these guys want to be here. And uh, it's really a pleasure to, to be around a team that, that wants it this badly. And I, I really hope, Brent, that it's, a, that it's an example to the rest of the industry when it comes time to spend the money. Spend the money on the right guys. Nick Castellanos told me this two days ago. He said, when you, when you turn over the control of a lot of things on your team to the players, when they're the right players, he said, when they're the right players, it really is beautiful to see when they value the right things, what happens after that. Yeah. Uh, get yourself uh, a GM like Dave Dombrowski, who uh, is interested in winning. And he looks like he's on the verge of doing it again in Philadelphia. Uh, before I let you go, John, speaking of the offseason, so uh, the, the the Red Sox are looking to fill a vacant um, general manager position, and it was quite a coup when the Blue Jays acquired James Click to be a part of that front office coming off a World Series victory as the general manager of the Houston Astros. He's been named to, to be uh, one of the candidates for that open job in, in Boston. Is, is it just a matter of time before the Blue Jays wave goodbye to James Click? And the, you know, the, the fact that they announced, or Mark Shapiro did last week, that Ross Atkins is coming back, was that kind of the nail in the coffin in your, your mind as far as James Click remaining with the Blue Jays? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I do know that James uh, really enjoys being with the with the Blue Jays. I, I spoke with him uh, a couple months ago just about what what he's uh, observed in Toronto and how much fun he's had. So I, I think that that's uh, I can say for sure that he really enjoys being part of this organization. Uh, I, I do think that it's likely inevitable that he'll he'll get a job somewhere else. Uh, unless he's promoted, obviously, to a place where he where he would not be able to to go and take another job, the, the Red Sox position is interesting. I I certainly think that Click is is a, a big name to watch. Uh, you wonder about guys who are from the, the Northeast, uh, from Massachusetts, actually, or or New Hampshire. In the case of uh, Brandon Gomes from Mass and and uh, Sam Foldis from New Hampshire, would they're both GMs elsewhere, but not the number one person in the department. So would they leave those situations to go to the Red Sox? I, I think Kim Ang now that Kim has left the Marlins. Kim, I would say, is has got to be a candidate in in Boston. She, by reports yesterday, that there was the Marlins tried to hire somebody ahead of her as the head of baseball ops, and and honestly, that's that was not fair to her because she just built the postseason team. She's she's won everywhere she's been as one of the best resumes as far as I'm concerned of any GM we've ever seen in the sport. When you think about what she did with the Yankees and the Dodgers and then the commissioner's office and, and now with the Marlins. So um, amazing boss. I think Kim is someone that, that deserves a shot and hope, hope that she gets an interview with the Red Sox as well. And then now the Marlins aren't are a spot to, to look at and see where, where they might go or, or the New York Mets who are going to hire a number two after David Stern. So I'm mentioning a lot of different, 
openings at the moment where I think that, that James Click uh, is someone that may, may be a, a fit for. And I agree. I think that in general, uh, whether it's now or a year from now, uh, if, if the Jays don't promote him, it's, it's becoming more likely that he uh, will find a similarly statured job somewhere else. Yep, feels like uh, that's generally the path for these guys, like Alex Anthopoulos uh, before him uh, as well, spending some time uh, in Good the point. in the background of the front office and then eventually getting a shot again. Uh, John, always a pleasure. Re- really enjoy the conversation, guys. I was able to stop by actually before uh, before I got to the ballpark yesterday. I caught a little bit of the Canucks uh, practice over at the Wells Fargo Center. We've got quite a day today. We've got uh, Canucks Flyers at 6 because they wanted to move it up two hours because it's across the street from the from the Phillies That's game. Smart. And then next door to there at the Lincoln Financial Field, you've got uh, international friendly between Germany and Mexico in soccer. Really? So it is a it is like all my sports are together. I'm having a great time here in Philly. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Holy cow! You were meant to be in Philadelphia right now. Well, enjoy it, John. Thanks. And you're going to get to speak some Thanks, Spanish guys. too. It really oh, is a hat yeah. trick for you, Morosi. Claro que sí, claro que sí. Cada día. Good job, You got it. All the best, guys. I really enjoy the conversation. Thanks for thanks for indulging me with my my soccer and hockey mention here at the end. I appreciate always, it. Always, always, buddy. See ya. All the best. All right, John Morosi, MLB Network. Uh, text lines open five ninety five ninety. And I think this texter hit on the Phillies thing. Phillies remind me of decent Stanley Cup playoff run teams. Loaded with grinders, high energy lads. Yeah, that was that was Bob from Burlington. Yeah, they 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 do feel like a hockey team. I mean, John said they're football players also. Like they're just I'm yeah. gonna finish Bob and Burlington text. Probably got a good bunch of good Canadian boys on those teams as well. <laughs> there you go. I'm gonna finish the text Except for them. We can say the, it, Bob. But, but they're yeah. But they're not because they're like all from Alabama or yeah, wherever they're from, anyways, or Venezuela for I, that matter. I might uh, want to swing back around to this whole discussion about feel. And oh, you think? I think they're honestly. I could do an hour on the information Morosi just gave us. The idea of play. The thing that jumped out to me the most from that, honestly, feel mm-hmm. as well. But players having fun talking about baseball. Yeah, no kidding. The. Fans you, of baseball. Yeah, you could. You it doesn't need to be fruit cocktails at Fenway up eighteen <sighs> to two to have fun. You could enjoy your craft. You know, Ben, you and I play golf. Yeah, I actually don't enjoy this. It's a bit much for me. But how much for a lot of people is the fun of golf with the group you're with? Is saying, oh, I've actually been like trying to turn the hands over a little bit. Yeah, I've been yeah. setting up here. That you like to out. talk about the mm-hmm. sport that you play because it's fun. So that jumped out to me. It's not about a jacket. It's mm. not about silly seeds or whatever. It's about actually enjoying your craft. And the Phillies team does it in spades. And now it's about making you some money. Time now for the Wake and Rake. You know, I lost 10 dimes on them. Whoops. The Wake and Rake is presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. Why not start with NLCS Game 2, D-backs, and Phillies is Aaron Nola on the hill against Merrill Kelly. And naturally, it is the Phillies' pretty heavy favorites in a, in a playoff game. Minus 167. The D-backs plus 140. The run line, uh, Phillies minus one and a half paying plus 125. The total being eight. Uh, feels like a low total. I, I'm, I'm liking the total a little bit more mm. than the money. That's a little too much juice for me to, to, to lay on the Phillies who are – you know, have the superior mm-hmm. starting pitcher and are on a playoff roll um, like we've rarely seen in postseason. But, yeah, they, 
The D-backs, it must be said, came off the mat pretty well. They were down 5 nothing yep. yesterday after taking a big punch to the mouth on the first pitch of the baseball game and came back to make it a 5-3 game. That That's not a D-backs team that's going to go just quietly into this good night, I don't think. I don't know that they'll go quietly, but I also do think that this Phillies team is team of destiny stuff. You don't get any value for them on the money line. So honestly, give me the spread. I like them to win by a couple of runs plus 125 there. uh, If you take the Phillies minus one and a half. So I I would do that personally. JT Real Muto plus 425 to hit a home run. He has hit a home run uh, against Merrill Kelly this season. Kind of like that one as well. How about the Oilers to pick up their first victory of the season against the Nashville Predators? They are heavy favorites to do so, minus 143. I mean, you want to talk about a puck line? I, I kind of like minus one and a half mm-hmm. for the Oilers. The Oilers are going to win a hockey game, I think, eventually. Uh, I think tonight is the night, plus 165 for them over the Predators. Yeah, I like that as well. Uh, could talk me into the under there as well. A six and a half plus 100. A lot of times a team like that needs to get it back by buttoning things down. So maybe that's the way it goes. Okay, well, that would not speak well to my minus one and a half because yeah, yeah you got to score a lot of goals. Okay, so you're, you're against me on that one. Uh, all right. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book. Bet local. When we come back, Maple Leafs lose a hockey game. They're only two and one now. As they go out on the road for a season-long five-game road trip, we'll talk to the Real Kipper portion of Real Kipper and Born. Nick Kiprios joins us next as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.